Hey, welcome to BIV Today. I'm reporter Tyler Orton. And obviously during the pandemic, I think it's been a good time to catch up on all those docu-series, those reality TV shows, and the other shows that kind of fit into that factual programming category. And this week, the annual Factual West Conference returns, albeit like most things, it's in virtual form. But with us to talk about it, to kind of let us know what's going on in the industry as well, it is Kate Green. She's Director of Programming at Factual West. She's also the co-founder of the Field and Post Industry Organization. And Kate, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. So, you know, maybe we'll break it down like this. I, I kind of did a bit of an intro there, but but for anybody who's a little bit unfamiliar with what we're talking about when it comes to factual TV, what is it exactly? Yeah, factual TV is a documentary style, but it also, we have lifestyle television, which is kind of your HGTV shows and food network type shows as well. And also under that umbrella, reality competition can also fall into, under factual so obviously you're bringing back the Factual West conference. Uh, I had uh, a great time doing a story about it last year, and it's a very fascinating stuff, especially considering like how, you know, we've got this really cool industry going on in Vancouver as well. But for anybody unfamiliar with the Factual West conference, what ultimately are you guys trying to accomplish? What p- can people learn if they attend it uh, this year? Absolutely. Well, Factual West, we started it as a skills development training conference for people that work in factual television, both in the field, uh, so camera and sound and what have you, uh, directing as well as in post. And um, that's where our organization Field and Post came from. It was meant to be a networking uh, event uh, that we would get together and um, talk about our swap war stories and uh, it definitely filled a niche and now we've been starting doing this conference we're in our fifth year and it's just been growing ever since. So you guys start off with kind of skills development has it morphed into something else where people can glean kind of other things about the industry um, that you're kind of excited about? Yeah, absolutely. We've we've uh, created a lot of uh, pitching opportunities as well. If you're a producer, sometimes getting up to Toronto has been difficult in the past. Now it's it's not as difficult <laughs> with virtual pitches, but that's been an opportunity that we've created so people can meet you know face to face with uh, broadcasters and buyers and decision makers, which we are still doing as well this year. Yeah, well, it's an interesting year, uh, to say the least. Um, What has the industry been doing to kind of respond to all these changes? Because I even think about like, you know, uh, we've got this big film industry in Vancouver, but you go down to a set right now, there's PPE, there's physical distancing, Mm -hmm. but factual programming is also a very different animal. I'm just wondering how things are really shaping up uh, for this side of the industry too. Mm -hmm. In some ways, factual, like a documentary crew um, or, you know, television series, we are at a little bit of an advantage because our crews are not as big and, you know, we're, we're very lean and mean quite often. And so being able to distance properly and to stay safe and on all of that uh, is a little bit easier at times. Uh, if you're working on a big competition reality show that or inside of the studio, that, that does change quite a bit. But um, I think for the most part, you know, and, and a lot of the shows that get filmed here or from production companies here in Vancouver are kind of the men TV shows where they're out in the the forests and the mining sure. camps and um, not having to worry so much about some of the COVID issues, I guess. 
So it has been kind of a, an industry that has been able to kind of navigate things. I, I'm sure there's still some challenges, but you feel as if you, you guys are pretty much uh, doing as well as could be expected at this point? I think so. I think so. I think if anything's uh, being shown about the factual community in Vancouver is that we're very um, tenacious. We've gone through some rough times and uh, we've always seemed to bounce back. And there is a community here that is being served by Factual West and by Field and Post. And and what the great thing is, is that, you know, when broadcasters come out here, they're they're surprised and shocked and delighted to, to meet the creative community that's here. Well, speaking of the creative community that's here, you go look, and we actually have a long history in Vancouver uh, of really catering, uh, especially with so many of these kind of production companies. Mm-hmm. What has been kind of that, that uh, secret ingredient that has made Vancouver kind of a great spot for a lot of these production companies to set up and, and, and do business here? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> Secret ingredient. I would say, I mean, I think naturally people here in this community are, like I said, very creative and they they have a natural curiosity. They're very hardworking. Our crews are some of the best in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And also, you know, we have some really great tax credits here in BC as well, both both on the factual and, and scripted side as you know, for service production. But uh, I think all of those things are attractive. Uh, and yeah, again, I think it really comes down to our crews and, uh, how hard we work. (laughs) You mentioned it earlier though, you know, um, it's great if you have opportunities to meet up with, you know, the, the executives in Toronto, Mm. uh, the, uh, the people that are going to be able to help you fund, uh, a lot of these projects. Is it still a challenge despite, you know, the West coast being a great spot to live and work, still a bit of a challenge sometimes to get that kind of right financing or the the green light from certain executives if they're based in central Canada. Well, we used to call it the, well, we used to call it the $500 cup cup of coffee for BC producers to go out to Toronto and now it's around $2,000 for that cup of coffee. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like myself, I have my own production company as well. And just the other day I got to do a pitch that, would have cost me several thousand dollars to do but we did it via zoom and you know and there and it's not being done at a conference um say like you know like a really packed conference like bamf or something where um you know they're distracted they've heard 50 pitches already um you know it's a really concentrated intimate opportunity that i would say if anything that's one of the good things that's come out of covid for western producers yeah, you know, I, I cover the technology sector for the newspaper. And one thing that I've heard from a lot of startups is they feel as if the playing field has been leveled quite a bit. Absolutely. They don't have to get on those flights to Silicon Valley or to Boston or what have you. Do you yeah. kind of get the same sense, uh, you know, just in the last seven or eight months as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're still at a disadvantage. And I mean, we all know that a lot of business takes place on the golf course or at a cocktail party, but uh, and just building those relationships and that trust. And so, you know, in that sense, we still are at a, at a disadvantage where our faces are literally not in front of these people. But a good idea is a good idea. And content is king. And if you can pitch a really good idea, doesn't matter where you're from. Well, speaking of content being king, I, I'm just wondering about demand for content right now, because a lot of people, you know, they're, they're staying at home, they're, they're consuming mm-hmm. a, a lot more, you know, TV than they may have over the summer, if they can't go on, say, a vacation or something like that. But I also wonder, um, economic uncertainty, you know, um, some people might feel as if they can't, you know, um, 
uh, finance certain projects. Um, are, are these kind of two you know um, sides of the same coin that you guys have to consider oftentimes in the business just since the pandemic has unfolded? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that there is definitely a lot of shift that's happening within the industry and in terms of the type of content that will be you'll be seeing, you know, coming out and, and how it's presented. I mean, all of those things are shifting um, in terms of the financing. I think you're going to have to ask a broadcaster about that one. <laughs> um, I haven't had any issues myself yet, but um, but yeah, I mean, things things can shift. So in that case, like you don't feel as if like um, demand for content has uh, been, been sidelined at all. It's still right there, you know, um, you know, compared with where it was maybe the same time a year ago. Um, I would say, you know, it's going to depend if you're talking about Canadian broadcasters or the U.S. broadcasters. Okay. I think, and especially if you're if you're talking traditional broadcasters or streamers, I think the streamers are just monsters for content uh, getting through the doors sometimes is a difficult task, but, um, you know, with Canadian broadcasters, I, you know, I'm, my guess is sometimes they might have a bit of a backlog of, of content and not a huge impetus, but to, to green light more, but you, you know, we'll see. I mean, people are going to want new shows. So. Well, I, I might be putting you on the spot, but we did, we did have news uh, this week with regards to the federal governments um, wanting to kind of rethink the way that the streaming services are, are regulated in terms mm -hmm. of funding Canadian content. There could be about uh, up to $800 million more in funding for Canadian content. Is this something that you're paying close attention to? You think that there is the possibility to get even that much more Canadian content in front of people's eyeballs up here in uh, Canada? Yeah, I mean, we're all watching the situation very carefully and closely and I think that you know we have a we have an amazing service industry in Vancouver and again that comes back to our crews and our location and our time zone and all that sort of stuff uh, and tax credits but I think you know if we really want to survive as an industry and, and Canadian content is going to have to come to the forefront and domestic domestic production is going to have to be invested in and because you know the, the service production is wonderful but it could go away for whatever reason um, overnight. And then we're going to have thousands of people um, not working. But that's a little bit more on the scripted side of, of the industry than it is the factual. So it, it's kind of building us up as a more independent sort of industry, which I, I don't think anybody can really you know, push back against, of course, right? No, yeah. And, and that's what we, we really do need that for sure. Don't get well, me wrong, the, the service industry has paid for a lot of mortgages and a lot of sure. kids races and <laughs> all of that, but I am very uh, um, supportive of our domestic industry. Yeah. As we wind up here, though, why don't we go back to Factual West? Um, yeah. If somebody's unfamiliar, uh, what are maybe some sort of panels that you think might be of interest to folks um, that, uh, I don't know, I, I know it's like picking favorite children, but maybe some uh, certain highlights <laughs> that have caught your eye. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, we've got Jeff Orlowski. He he did The Social Dilemma, which was a big documentary yeah. on Netflix just recently. So he's going to be speaking about his project. Um, also, we have the filmmaker from uh, Love on a Spectrum, or On the Spectrum as well. And uh, Canada's Drag Race. We have um, the broadcasters and Fenton Bailey, who's executive producer of the RuPaul's Drag Race uh, coming and, and chatting as well. There's a whole bunch more, but I've, I should, 
that I can't, I didn't have them in front of me all, but yeah, there's some really great sessions. And if you really want to understand the, the workings, the ins and outs of, you know, what it, what it is to develop an idea, to bring it to the forefront, then once you've got it, you know, how do you put the story together? How do you edit things together? Uh, this is definitely the conference that you should be going to. I, I caught Love on the Spectrum a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we, we thought it was just an amazing show. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw that recommendation out for that panel as well. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, really endearing. <laughs> well, excellent. Uh, Kate, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Good luck to you, and we'll, we'll hopefully see you soon in person. Absolutely. I, I, I say that to all the guests. I, I want to see them in person as soon as possible. So let's make that happen. All right. Great. Cheers. Thank you. That's Kate Green. She's Director of Programming for Factual West. And that is it for the show today, but we will be back next week. Until then, go to BIV.com for more stories, more videos there. And um, I'm Tyler Orton. Thank you very much. <laughs>